Hello everyone, welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. I'm very excited to share with you all this conversation I had with my good friend, Alan Hagigi. And I'm gonna add in the show notes how you can connect with Alan and Alan's company with his brother, the California Fruit Wine Company. Look, their wine is so good. And if you're someone who likes new, innovative, delicious alcoholic beverages, as I know you do, you need this wine in your life. Anyway, I just want to thank you for checking out our podcast, checking out our show, and we would love to hear from you with a comment or a feel free. Please leave us a rating. Uh, We would really appreciate it. Excited to hear from you. And uh, now here's the interview with Alan. I'm here with my good friend, Alan, and we're in this amazing, exquisite building that is the California (laughs) Fruit Wine Company. Uh, And excited to be chatting and talking about some of your history and your past and with church and Jesus and all sorts of fun <laughs> business ideas and plans to change the world and uh, <laughs> well, so yeah. super stoked man yeah thanks for having me I, uh, I've been looking to talk for a little while so it's good to have an opportunity to do so yeah dude I'm super stoked and you know like what we were talking about I just think that um, your story really resonated with me the first time I met you. You know, right. I know that you were uh, maybe seeking something else from another individual that may or may not have been a female, how you came across my path. And uh, <laughs> so I think it's cool that like how everything ends up working together. And uh, so it's cool. So I met Alan uh, at a dessert party that we were doing and um, doing some church planting stuff. And it was a uh, it was a bait and switch thing. <laughs> I was giving people free dessert to come hang out with me so I can try to, you know, build something and start yeah. something. And Alan ended up coming and yeah. And you got to understand, I, you know, I haven't gone to a church thing in like years. Right. So, uh, you know, I was, I went because this chick I was talking to invited me and then I met you guys, which was yeah. super cool. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. And it was just awesome. Cause like, I, I, I think probably the best part about meeting you was like you started to kind of talk about some church-ish things and you were like, well, hold, like you had to feel us out to be like, are you, so it's like, <laughs> I was going to this like church thing. Do you guys know about church? You yeah, know? And okay. you know, me and my friend look at each other like, yes, <laughs> yes, we know what church is. And so you started to just kind of share about your history and how you had not been involved in a church for like 10 years. And yeah. I just, uh, you know, as you began to share just about what that was like and the relationships and the church plant that you, was that your, it was the church plant, Yeah, right? I mean, I can tell a story if you want. Please, <laughs> please, please. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, it's funny because when I met you, it's true, I wanted to figure out how, um, you know, I tell my story in a couple of different ways when I meet people. That's what we all do, you know I mean? We tell our stories and kind of try to feel out if we want to even hang out with someone ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but for me, like, it depends, you know, because I come from so many different backgrounds. I was an atheist, you know, for the first 17 years of my life. And then I got really into church for, you know, the following three or four years. Um, and then, you know, I got kicked out of church. And uh, for the next, um, yeah, nine years, mm-hmm. uh, nearly 10, it'll be 10 this year. Um, I've been a nomad myself. <laughs> yeah, right, and, right. Uh, kind of wandering, but... Um, so depending on who I'm talking to, I, I can kind of relate on so many different levels. You know, if I'm talking to someone who thinks scientifically um, and is an atheist for those reasons or something, like I, I can totally resonate and I can kind of appeal on that level. 
um, someone who ha- like has been to church or has seen church services, but like just is, isn't religious to begin with. And I'm I've, I'm thinking more about people who um, have no religious context, you know, versus people who have. But then I can put on that religious context l- largely because those three or four years I was spending in church were pretty uh, intense. You know, I was going to church four times a week um, and reading the Bible, you know, a good three or four hours a day um, and just inundating myself. And that's largely because I went to jail when I was 18. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to all around here, but uh, I, went, I went to jail when I was 18 for uh, for weed. And, um, and rightfully so, when you're in high school and you go to jail and you're there for five nights, uh, you're going to kind of have like this wake-up call of sorts. Um, and so I just devoted myself wholeheartedly to um, pursuing these spiritual matters and um, I thought for the longest time I was going to end up becoming like a pastor or something you know so you know kind of my my history with church was I was part of a, a rather successful large one um, but you're kind of like a one out of a thousand people you know and even though I was um, on leadership and like the college ministry and all these other things um, essentially <clears throat> You know, you don't, you don't, it's not something that you can own. It's not mm. something that you can truly create a, if you want to create a career, it's hard to, you know, it's largely because there's just so many people. Um, and you, the, the noise and the opportunities to be heard are few and far between. Mm. But when you're in smaller settings, you have the opportunities to share. Um, and to be honest with you, I do enjoy sharing. Mm. And I can't, you know, part of the reason why um, the events that led to me getting kicked out of church took place was because you know, just sitting there every single week, like, and not being able to contribute uh, was, in, was just incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got bored really, yeah. really easily, really quickly. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I would engage God in every moment that I could, um, whether it was through song or um, through uh, hearing him, through a message of sorts. Um, but more often than not, every time I engaged him, I felt like there was a more important calling or a, a, there was a task at hand and it wasn't being accomplished by going to church. Right. Well, I'm, I'm just curious too, like what attracted you in the first place to even want to go? Because I know that, you know, you lived a atheist life until 17 and then somehow you had some <laughs> sort of encounter. Yeah. And then what, what was the, I mean... Was church attractive to you? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing we, we talk about in church world. There's, like, this attractional model, the missional model, what all, all these different things. Um, but, like, I'm just curious, like, did the attractional stuff genuinely attract you? And then how long did it take for that to begin to wear off? Because mm-hmm. it's with that attractional model, the attraction is there is a task at hand. There's something here to do. There's a mm-hmm. place for you. And, and it's almost like a it's a, like an army recruitment sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then what you're saying is, is like at first, maybe I think you might be saying is at first that was attractive, mm-hmm. but slowly but surely that well, dwindled, so you know? you know when you look at kind of the divvying up of who's doing the work and the ministry of sorts, it really just is so top heavy in in church settings. Um, and so from an attraction standpoint, I've never been attracted to that because mm-hmm. I always. Um, I, I don't deal well with authority to begin with. Like I always challenge and I always um, like to understand the why of we're doing anything. Um, and so, you know, when I'm talking about, for me, I'm being bored and, and even with a, a church that could, like, I guess meet all my needs is related to, you know, community and small groups and all these things. I, I guess that those are my predominant needs, but the way they typically do it is more 
great music, great coffee, <laughs> great message, you know, like, yeah. th if that's what you mean by, like, was it satisfying or whatever, like, yeah, that was never what I was there for, and it could never have satisfied me. I, uh, you know, my encounter with God is the reason why, you know, mm -hmm. and I started out, um, you know, I, I, I say I was an atheist, but, you know, I, I became an agnostic um, in high school at some point, um, probably like 14, 15, 16. Um, I forget at this point, <laughs> and uh, meaning like you're starting to open yourself up to the possibility that there's some you know higher power or something like that, um, because you know you go about life you know and I, for me it was like when I would get depressed, I would find myself in prayer like and I was an atheist right but what I meant by that you know I don't mean by like praying like dear God blah 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 it was more like I went you know in the spirit to um, to request, you know, hmm. to be like, this is the shittiest feeling ever. Like, can't you, is, is anyone out there? Can you help me? Like, I feel right. so alone, you know? And it's that act of, um, of like kind of crying out, I guess. That's what I mean by my, by prayer in those early years of life. Um, so even prior to 17 and all that. Yeah, you, I don't think it. there's anyone on, on earth that doesn't do that and has never done that. Hmm. Um, it's something that's a natural thing. Now, a lot of times people go, oh, I didn't hear anything or whatever, you know, and I rightfully so. But you know what? I, there's something um, telling about that behavior. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are just at different places in their lives. And there's a timing thing that comes into um, God and, and being even like introduced to him because it's not even um, it's supposed to be something that you own. And not everybody comes to a place in their life that they can own anything until they've like no longer complied as a child. They have to mature into like a grown up. Um, and then, in my view, you can engage God with your own agency, right? I guess that's what I mean by like my, one of my problems with church. It's kind of like you feel like the conduit to God is through that guy. You right. know, like if you're if you need some prayer, you're gonna ask him. You know, mm -hmm. and I have always just gone straight to God. You know, and I don't see any reason not to. And every time I have, it's always, <clears throat> at least as of um, as of my encounter, you know, which uh, it always resulted in my mind being grounded in reality instead of in worry or instead of uh, lack. You right. Know, when it's grounded in reality, meaning like being content with what you have and not needing anything because everything you need is encapsulated in your personhood because Christ is in you. Right, right. You know, and that, once again, so let, let's, let me, I guess, go into that encounter. Do you mind? Sure, go for <laughs> it. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, so the encounter was interesting because, um, you know, once again, I, I wasn't all that open to that. And there's a little backdrop to the story, too, because my twin brother became a Christian in, in a similar manner um, a few years before I did. And he told me about a few things that had happened to him, um, and that he had an encounter with God where his ankle was healed. So I was kind of like skeptical. But yeah. at the same time, I was like, that's because he told me a story about him. at the, He was at the gym at LA Fitness. And there's this Asian lady like throwing up just bricks, like just straight up bricks. <laughs> and and, uh, and basketball, yeah, like, yeah, is, totally so. basketball, right? Yeah, it's the basketball Not court. literally ah, throwing up yeah, bricks. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean like, you know, just missing it like horribly. But she, she was on one side of the court and Brian and a couple of friends were playing, I guess, two on two or something and he ends up spraining his ankle. And she comes up out of nowhere and is kind of like, 
you want do you want me to try to heal you and he was like sure like what is this you know is this some sort of magic is this like uh like mr miyagi style mm, right, yeah. you know and she goes no it's love it's mm. love and he's like okay like be more specific um and she said it's jesus mm. um and then you know i don't know what was happening with him because i wasn't there for this this is a secondhand story um but he had received the type of healing and hmm. uh and ever since then he started like going with some friends to church and whatnot but i had he told me that story and i was just kind of like it, it, for me it was the asian lady i don't know there's something about her like yeah. it just seemed like uh just a random like who the heck is this person like where the heck did it come from like right like, kind of like a almost like a fate thing right um so in this case, I had, I, you know, maybe my family has weak ankles. I don't know what's up, but <laughs> I sprained my ankle a few weeks before that, before my encounter. Uh, it's funny calling it an encounter. I feel like it was like, an, we're talking about it as if it was an alien, right, <laughs> you yeah. know? But, um... Uh, Supernatural, so... I mean, yeah, it was kind of, it's kind of similar. Um, but, uh, so what happened was I had sprained my ankle, and I was in the healing process, and I thought I was already, like, largely strong enough to, you know, just, just mess around. Um, and so I was at a buddy's birthday party. This is, you know, I'm 17 years old, like probably trying to make a fool of myself in front of some chicks. You know, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I freaking like sprained my ankle again. You know, I re-sprained it. And it was, it's even worse because it was already like, you know, messed up. And I had really like twerked it. And um, so I was out of commission. Like immediately I fall to the ground. You know, it's freaking more swollen than I've ever seen mm. my and I've sprained my ankle a few times like I said maybe we have weak ankles I don't know <laughs> yeah uh but uh you know so I'm, I, my buddy's mom like sees it she gets me ice she brings it I'm just like icing it for like 10 minutes and then my twin brother who this is a pretty big house <laughs> it's like a mansion it's in Buena it's in uh Buena Creek over here in Vista <laughs> these guys are rich man I wish no <laughs> uh but you know so she brings me ice, and then he comes around, my brother, um, and keep in mind, I hate him, and I always have, like, this is back then, right? I hate him because uh, he's religious. I hate him because um, I see, I've seen the way he acts around girls, and it's different than when, when he's around me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I just, I'm just jealous and envious, and, and hate, I hate him, right? Twin um, brother sort twin, of stuff. And there's a whole pride thing where there's competition, wanting to be the best, like, it's a whole, whole right. animal. yeah, yeah. And uh, so... You know, when he comes up and he said he basically pulled the exact same like card out of his hat as the Asian lady did to him. <laughs> really? And he's like, uh, "Do you want me to to pray for you to be healed?" And I was like, ah, "Like, maybe I should give this a try hmm. because honestly, a few weeks before that, I had like I said, sprained my ankle, and I tried to like heal myself because he told me the story. And I'm like, that's probably just a mind thing. You know right. what I mean? That's probably like all humans have some sort of innate ability. That- yeah." Yeah. So like, oh man, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a pretty willful guy, you know, pretty strong mind like that. So I'm just like, I just tried with everything I could to heal my own ankle <laughs> and I, I didn't work. You know what I mean? So like, I, so anyways, he, um, he offered and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's see what happens. Right. And I hope I can cuss. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dude, you're fine, man. It's the but, world we live in. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it fucking is. No. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, so he comes by and he. I'm like, you know what? Fine. He get so he gets on the ground with me. He puts his hands on my ankle, and you know, this is the first time ever that I've ever kind of like open my up, open myself up to the possibility, right, of of God like, truly existing in a in a way that He would interact with me. 
Um, and that's actually what mm. Brian was, Brian's my brother, he was, what he was telling me. He, was, he wasn't praying just yet. He kind of was telling me about who God is. Mm. How did he describe that? He said that God is invisible and that he's all present, meaning he exists in all places and he's, he's you know, omniscient, meaning he knows all things. And then he also said, and when he spoke everything into existence or when creation was created, it was created from nothing. And so it's not hard for God, who can do all things, who created all things, to heal your ankle. That says, mm-hmm. That's just like speaking anything into existence. Um, and then he, he told me about God's closeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he prayed. Uh, and after he prayed, he was pretty bold himself, which I have to give him some kudos because maybe he knew it. Maybe he saw what was happening because there was like there was like a aura over um, it, and I could feel my ankle like completely changing just then. Like it, that's part of why I think I had this type of faith that I've almost never experienced um, again. It was a very faithful moment, and that is, um, you know, he said, "All right, now get up, put all of your weight on your ankle." Hmm. Place your faith in God, and your ankle will be healed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I did it, man. You know, he actually grabbed me by you know my right hand to pull me up, and I literally took all the weight off my other ankle. So all the weight's going on my bad ankle that was swollen to shit, fucking right. five minutes before that. Right. And uh, and I get up and I take two steps and I start bawling because it's fucking healed. Right. So I'm. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know if you've ever told me this story or not, but yeah. if you have, I've forgotten. It's freaking <laughs> awesome. So your brother gets, he, he's not a believer in spiritual things other than maybe like a natural thing that we may or may not all have within us. And then he gets hurt. Someone in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. heals him. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, maybe... Mm-hmm. Timeline. I don't, I'm not well, no, sure. So that was that was his freshman year of high school when he got healed. Okay. And I I got healed junior year of high school. Okay. So, so a couple years, years later, yeah. He now is demonstrating and doing the stuff mm-hmm. that he is that happened to him mm-hmm. experientially, and now that he's been learning about by yeah. getting involved with people in this arena of thought. You know, right. thank yep. you, Christian Church, right? Mm-hmm. And so he actually, in essence, you know by the spirit of God heals mm-hmm. his brother. Yep. So I'm just a fascinated, just side note on <laughs> stuff, just about like that people, when things happen to them, there's like an immediate ownership of like, I can, and when someone gives them the permission to like, now you can go do this too. Like there's an immediate like openness mm-hmm. to that person to not only be the receiving person of that, but actually be the giver to it. Mm-hmm. And then so you then take mm-hmm. that and then that completely changes your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we're even sitting here right now. Is yep. That was the beginning, what you're talking about, the beginning experience mm-hmm. with the divine mm-hmm. that sets the tone for the rest of your life. Yep. I would definitely say that's that's the case. Though, you know, recollecting the past, you always see God all throughout there too. Sure. Right? So, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, the funny thing that um, I think I'm so grateful for was, um, you know, I didn't end up going to church the next day was Sunday. 
my brother invited me and instead of going to church what happened was we told my mom this story and she was in such disbelief that she said we're going to the hospital (laughs) 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 and uh so we went to the hospital and instead of going to church my brother handed me a bible and said you know read matthew 5 and you know just keep reading Hmm. and um and i did and so i had this second really impactful experience the next experience i think that's an important thing for me anyways because i'm glad it wasn't actually in a church service i'm glad it was trying to approach god in the invisible sense and um and learn from him in that sense Mm -hmm. um and to encounter him so you know i was reading matthew 5 and you know when it was talking about things like um you've heard that it was said um love your brother and hate your enemy but i tell you the truth um love your enemies yeah and pray for those who persecute you Mm -hmm. right um so you may be sons of your father in heaven there was a new type of truth that i've always known that was coming to the forefront of my mind in the in those instances and it was really um about embodying the nature of god um and once again, I was overwhelmed in these moments because of his nature. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we're talking about the type of love that we we don't practice, you know, and that is true and real um, and that we all desire. But for him, it's just generously poured out, even though I had never, you know, paid him any mind, right? That right. was what started to resonate with me was that I had ignored him my entire life. Yeah. And he didn't hold it against me at all. Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah. And um, to this day, I hold on to that understanding about forgiveness because I may go periods of time where I'm not conscious of him. And I remember every time that happens that he always just accepts me back without bringing up shit. Right. <laughs> doesn't, right. doesn't do that. It's not his nature. Um, and so that's, that trains you. You know what I mean? You live by that. You live by that uh, dance of um, uh, letting God love you and then um, being so grateful for that love that it compounds into um, it does compound into loving others but it really comes back down to uh, in a type of reciprocal love to God where you're grateful and you want to return you know you want to return the gift you've received and you know pretty much the request of God at that point is don't you know don't give it to me give it to them you know what mm-hmm. I mean that's the way that goes so um, so you train yourself in that way and that's exactly what Jesus was talking about right he never talked about um, I'm going to start a religion called Christianity it's going to have a Bible um, it's going to um, live by these particular rules the founders are going to be these boards of directors and you know all this other stuff it wasn't like that at all. It was, um, I give you a new command. Mm-hmm. Love one another as I have loved you. Yeah. Greater love has no one than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. It was talking about culture. Right. He's talking about the way. Yeah. It's a way better way of kind of starting things. So I was grateful for that. But, you know, three years in uh, to... Um, following God in that regard in within the institution too, which was very uncomfortable for me, right? I mean, yeah, I did... I'm curious about your experience, like as you're learning all this and you're doing all this, how that fits into the context of the organization of church mm-hmm. and the community of that, you yeah. know? 
And that ultimately, um, so that culminates to a, <laughs> to, yeah. to a splitting later on. But yeah. how is that working out? Like, you know, in community and, mm-hmm. and you know. So, I mean, like, at, at that part and point in my life, it was great because it's almost like anywhere you go, you're looking for camaraderie. And if you find someone who believes in Jesus, you already have this uh, brother-like relationship with anyone. Um, and I love that part about it. Um, and my favorite parts of living in the way and... Um, being part of the broader community of people who follow that same path is were those moments. It was the moments where I were, was able to like talk to people, where I was able to receive, where I was able to give, where we were able to participate. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you know, I mean, so there's also the four different church services I went to. They weren't all the same. <laughs> like one was an ordinary kind of Sunday service where it's very um, low-level uh, doctrine or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just about the salvation message and, you know, trying to get people in the doors and saving them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, on Sunday... Sales. Christian yeah, sales. Yeah, sales, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so the... <laughs> I was thinking about the business. Um, Sorry, yeah. we'll get to that. I know, right? <laughs> um, but the... Uh, the six, there was Sunday nights, you know, that was a little different. There was this service called Oasis, and it was actually someone who was, like, all about manifestation of the gifts. Yeah. And so I got into a lot of the uh, the more supernatural aspects of the faith through that. Um, but I tested out a lot of stuff because um, there's a lot of, like, just ideas that go around that could either be biblical or not. depends on which way you look at it. And beyond it being biblical, I wanted to know if it was real. That's, yeah. that's my... Mm. Look, if someone's going to pretend like they got healed, I, like, that's no value. There's no value there. You know right, what I mean? I saw right. a lot of that, like, when we went to, like, the, I went to, like, a couple things that were almost like faith healers. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And it's like, all right, who wants to get healed? You know what I mean? And it was funny. The Christian witch doctors, dude, basically. <laughs> dude, I was, like, very, like, intrigued and uncomfortable, but it was kind of funny all at the same time. And I was wanted to receive, but I, was, I didn't want to judge. And I was, but now I'm judging. You know, right. the reality is... That's not for me. That's all. That's basically what my thing is. And more importantly, I think it is a little bit of an embarrassment to um, the real healings that take place that aren't mm. supposed to take place necessarily like in anything other than after you, when you, as you live life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not supposed to necessarily be in this particular line. Get in a line and get healed. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like. Healed means so many different things. Like there's, it's multifaceted, yeah. and people want to use that word sozo, yeah. right, for healing, mm. and they only want to take that as a physical manifestation of healing. Mm. But there's so much more. Yeah, it's funny you that, say that because I was at that one faith healer, and I went up on the stage, and I was like talking about my heart <laughs> being healed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, oh, uh, or no, no, I didn't go up to the guy. It was the guy ahead of the guy. You know, I said, what, what, what'd you get healed? You know, like, and, and I'm like. <laughs> my heart man I, I can love again you know or something and he's yeah. like he's like oh that's not that's not what we're looking for like and he kicked shoot me away you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so. the most hippie shit ever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah and then there was uh there's a couple other types of services i'm trying to recall now because uh i guess it was just um tuesday night was like it's just like sometimes more in depth like bible studies and stuff like that but right more broad actually you know what it was Thursday night college age services right which is probably my favorite you know you, you make some friends you know you have real dynamic um, conversations 
Um, and these were, let's, let's piggyback from there. This college age group was the group that I ended up planning a church with fast forward two years from the time I started going to that big church. So you were with this church plant mm-hmm. for two years developing relationship. It's not just like yeah. somebody was like, hey, you know, like mm-hmm. we're going to go start something new and you're oh, like yeah. making friends in the plant. Yeah. It's like nope. this was already an integration mm-hmm. of community. Yep. Literally just kind of hived off from totally. the big church. And that's why it was awesome. We first started meeting in the pastor's house uh, on Tuesday night prayers and it was like the most dynamic greatest experiences I've almost ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and in then... What, why? In what way? Like, what, what um, elements made it? Though? Well, actually, uh, largely my participation, to be 100% honest with you, right? Hmm. Um, there would be opportunities where silence was in place, and people yeah. might, like, pray or might read a scripture or might um, sing a song or whatever. The point was it was spontaneous, yeah. and it allowed for all sorts of us to flex our muscles as it related to um, praying and helping others and um, and even listening to God. I think more than anything, that's what it's supposed to help you do. It's supposed to help you listen to God directly because the important part of faith is listening to God and then following that voice mm-hmm. into into the, your destiny, into your path, which is like crazy because the destiny and path that God set me on is largely based on some really challenging, getting kicked out of church type stuff that rocked me to the core, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, two and years... And this is the group that would eventually kick you out this of their it. group. <laughs> and now, it wasn't the group, it was the pastor, right? I, right, I got to okay. make that distinction because, once again, these people knew me. Mm-hmm. And they looked to me as a leader, knowing full well that I had a lot of, like, scriptural, biblical, like, wisdom, and that I could help them... Um, maybe find a scripture or even just pray with them because even the the way that I would pray would be as authentic. I always I always pursued the like reality like I said, right? So I hate praying in a way that is doesn't seem like I'm actually talking to God. It's almost as if he doesn't exist. As if he's not actually in the room with us. As if he's not omnipresent, right? right. I don't like praying pretending like he's not here. So when I tended to pray with these people instead of you know sometimes when you grow up in church you don't have the um same appreciation of that relationship and that dynamic and that mm-hmm. forgiveness so um for me it was such a deep um thing that a lot of people were were also encouraged and built up um and i hope that didn't sound like prideful or anything but no well i mean jesus it reminds me i was just reading today in matthew where jesus is talking about like dude like don't be babbling on like the gentiles do and don't Stand. I mean, I was getting wrecked by Matthew six of like, be beware of how you exercise your righteousness and all this stuff, and, and talking about praying and mm-hmm. you know, it, and it's supposed to be this very mm-hmm. gritty, raw, honest conversation. Yeah. You know, uh, with a very tangible present mm-hmm. yeah. being. You right. know, uh, so I mean that dovetails. Yeah. With Jesus, so you're all right. <laughs> Good. So yeah, you know these people uh, were with me for two years, along with that other pastor, and along with a lot of the other uh, churchgoers at the large church. Um, but we did get to know each other in a very meaningful way. We would hang out from time to time, but usually around Tuesday nights and Sundays. You know what I mean? Like it was pretty predictable what we were getting around and why we were getting around. And we didn't really hang out with each other outside of church, right? Which was kind of one of the critiques I, I was beginning to surface. And so anyways, uh, here we are, Tuesdays, pastor's house, having really dynamic meetings um, and loving 
life in a way that I, I can't, can't express. And then one random Tuesday, he basically says, all right, guys, I think we found our home. And, I, you know, my first thought was, what? I thought we were looking for a home? Like, what, mm-hmm. what was this? Like, I didn't realize his intentions the whole time were to start a church service and to, because I was actually more about relationships. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, when, like, in reading the scriptures, you never t- see him, like, oh, Jesus, like, all right, let's start services. You know, every once in a while, he'd go into the temple and he'd preach, you know what I mean? Or he would meet in, in uh uh, meeting places or you know, marketplaces, yeah, you know, mounts. Like I mean, that. like they they would be they would gather to hear, um, but that was more organic, and I wanted it to happen organically, almost as if we were in the marketplace, you know, mm-hmm. as if we were living life and um, a, and representing and proclaiming the good news of the resurrection, um, and so. Yeah, so when he said that, I was like, that was like the, one of the biggest, you know, depressing things for me because um, I either had to confront him right then and there and say, you know, I don't think this is a good idea, especially if it's going to take the tithing that we've been tithing and wasting it down the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, so why why was that your perception? Um, well, I'm, I'm maybe just pragmatic but I think it's because I've read the scriptures so many times that when you read the scriptures the what you read isn't what's practice you do not see people collecting tithes and paying the pastor for a salary you actually saw Paul the Apostle going from place to place and when there was money collected it was usually to alleviate a famine that was taking place in Jerusalem or and oftentimes it was to take care of his needs but this is because he's itinerant he's moving around right Mm -hmm. he's not able to but even throughout the scriptures he says you yourselves know how hard i've worked my own two hands i've supplied my needs and the needs of my companions so he did not only rely on and he uh, and he usually refused it because he was trying to offer the gospel free of charge Mm -hmm. and he wasn't taking use of his rights to uh to you know partaking of, of the harvest right um, and so, you know, it was that modeling that I wanted to embody, and I was hoping that the body of people I was with also wanted to pursue the, the, the deepest and most meaningful things of Christ. And they all largely did, but, you know, at the same time, they had a lot of religion that they brought into the dynamic. And mm-hmm. you can read that, those same services into the scriptures if you're not careful. They're not there. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing that was practiced. Right. People met from home to home. Um, and every, you know, once in a while, the apostles would give a pretty damn good speech. Right, <laughs> right. But it was usually around, like, the circumcision and the unnecessary, you know, components of it and, like, these or these kind of uh, resolutions. Taking care of issues. Yeah, it's taking care of issues. Yeah. You know, it's th- it's, and that's what's it's coming from life. It's coming from relationships, which ha- will end up having issues. That's part of real church. Church is messy. You know what yeah. I mean? It's organic. And that's why you see that practice in First like, Corinthians chapter 12. Romans 12, um, you see this, um, everybody is speaking, but not in the right turn, you know, and yeah. um, it, it got so messy, but it's because it wasn't the same type of service that we're accustomed to, and it wasn't even a service, it was the ecclesia, it was the the, um, ga- the gathering, it was the yeah. assembly. And so that was the beginning of kind of a, uh, what I think you expressed to me before, correct me if I'm wrong in my terminology, but that was kind of the begin- beginning of things dying. Uh, for that and you were experiencing this and yep. so did you guys end up getting together and rallying and launching like a Sunday <laughs> thing or did it yeah. what did it what so, did it birth so, into you know you once know? again he said we found our new home which was a uh, a conference center uh, in Carlsbad that 
could be a good location for a church service. Um, but the reality is he kind of autonomously made that decision. He didn't like consult us. He didn't ask us. And keep in mind, I'm tithing, but no one knows that I'm tithing because I'm not look, t- looking for tax benefits. I don't, I did never wrote, read off my, my tithes. I, <laughs> I just gave not, not my left hand didn't know my right hand was doing right. That's yes. biblical. And, um, you know, sometimes I would tithe like ridiculous amounts. I'm not even going to say, but I was trying to support the church. It was where I wanted to pour my entire life. Um, and so I did feel a, uh, an obligation on some level to make sure that that was used responsibly. And for me, doing services every single week for a year and a half and seeing no church growth, seeing no personal development, it was just a waste of money. So this had been happening for a while. So just yeah. for some context, it's not like you guys met for like three months and were like, we're doing this. It was right. even within the church context of the house, mm-hmm. there was no growth or development actually things began to get you know, the glue between you all kind of dried out and yeah things were becoming you know uh, less connected mm-hmm. not more connected yep. it was you guys weren't really building towards something mm-hmm. it was kind of like it happened and then it just slowly yeah. fizzled and, and i know? could i could feel it and i could sense it because i was still trying to view things as an outsider i always do because um you know i think more about non-christians and christians in my walk i don't i don't like to uh prioritize christians it's what i mean by that is they've embarrassed um for they've embarrassed the the name you know for most of like uh liberal educated folks and these are very influential people um who i probably would have become weren't not for the religious leanings that brought me into this you know, I'm not even going to get into the political leanings. I'm, a, I'm, you know, another podcast. Yeah, that's that's not that's not for today. But I want to clarify, I'm I'm not affiliated with any political party. Just like I'm not affiliated with any religion. I'm a human being, and I do follow the way. Um, and it's resulted in you know this business I've started. It's uh, it's resulted in a business model that has the potential to share. Um, and to embody the love that uh, you see in Acts chapter two, where people did not consider their possessions their own, mm-hmm. but they shared with each other. And from time to time, when people had needs, people would sell land and provide for the needs. Um, and there was no one that had any lack or any want. And they also didn't, I think they didn't have excess, which is an interesting thing too. They were content and that right. they were happy. That's what I want. I want to live happily. Yeah. So my curiosity too with it is, uh, just as we kind of move toward to where we're at now and things. So you were a part of this church plant. Things were happening for a year and a half. Uh, you know, and from my perception of being in vocational full-time ministry before too, and as a church planter, however you want to, you know, throw that term around right yeah. now, you know, yeah. maybe not in the most historic way. You know, I, I see where maybe that gentleman was like thinking, well, maybe we need something just to stir everybody up and let's just you know, I don't know, let, let's do a service and let's, you know, mm-hmm. give give people something to give vision towards mm-hmm. because it seems to me like it's easier to to get, to get cast vision and to do things around something, you know, like that you can physically, tangibly knock out. Mm-hmm. Like I can carry in sound equipment each mm-hmm. and every, you know what I mean? I can do this. And it seems to me like what sort of fizzled out was that connectedness and vibrancy mm-hmm. and so kind of trying to reconnect people it was like well maybe mm-hmm. if we all just sort of take this hill of yeah 
setting up for church, maybe that'll bring us together again. Yeah. But that's not what the people were really well, after. Well, actually, right? you know, it could have been what everyone else was after because I don't think people necessarily were questioning the way it's normally practiced. And I'm not sure they were necessarily trying to pursue the highest way or anything like that. They were very content themselves. I mean, this is the American church culture. I, right. As much... Let me, let me get... Actually, let me try to address your question real quick. <laughs> I'm already forgetting it, though. Um, you can go ahead. I'm, I'm curious to kind of just get to that yeah, yeah. part so, of that so, conversation with the pastor. And- yeah. So essentially what, what ended up happening here was, um, you know, he he had his vision for the church. Um, and, I, you know, I had I had mine as well. You know, what I meant for what I mean by that is if I had spoken up when I when I probably should have the year previously when um, this whole thing got started from a service standpoint, Maybe I would have, maybe it would have resulted in a challenge to the the decision, and maybe it would have resulted in a you know to not do that, right? And what what I mean by that is, I hear your question. Your question is, um, is there anything inherently wrong with a church service provided there's still dynamic relationships in conjunction with that, right? Yeah. And um, and I would say there's nothing inherently wrong with it at all. But when you're talking about resources, and the resources that I'm talking about are the two most precious resources, time and money. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that we have the least of. And when it comes to the use of those resources, I'm thinking from a startup entrepreneurial standpoint at this point, and I've incorporated a lot of these log- logical ways of assessing things into the business. But the reality is, I do not think that was the best place to use the money. Right. And I also do not think that was the best place to use our time together because all of us were working full time and we would only come together twice a week. And I felt the, that if we spent time loving each other, getting to know each other, and inviting other people into that, it would have been a much better use of our time. Mm-hmm. And eventually that could grow into that, but mm-hmm. the the growth wasn't happening that yeah. would be the foundation to promote that. Look, if this was a super well-funded startup church plant from some other big church or something, you have all the time in the world, you have all the money in the world or whatever, right? If you're trying to grow into something that has impact, like look, we all were in that church hoping it would go from 25 to 200 to maybe 1,000 to 2,000, whatever. You know what I mean? That's right. why we're all there. We're there to see church growth, which brings me to after a year and a half, Easter, and how uh, the conversation that resulted in me getting kicked out of ch- church took place. And essentially it was a conversation on church growth with some uh, fellow churchgoers after the service. Um, this was at a restaurant. There was eight or nine of us. And, you know, we always do this. We go to lunch afterwards, which was great. I love lunch after church. It's probably my favorite part. That's my whole point, right? <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, but normally I do a lot of talking and a lot of sharing because, like I said, that's my favorite part. But in this particular lunch, I wasn't doing any. And it's because everyone else was talking about church growth. And because they were super excited because we had, instead of 25 people there on a Sunday, 40 people because it was Easter and a few extra families came out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I knew that it was just for a one-day thing. It wasn't going to be sustained the following week or anything like that. Um, and, you know, but everyone else didn't realize that or they were talking about it or whatever. And, um, you know, eventually they realized that Mr. Talkative Allen hasn't said a freaking word. Yeah. Um, and so they did... You know, ask me, what's up, Alan? You haven't said a thing. What do you think about the church growing and whatnot? You excited? And I said, to be honest with you guys, I don't think this church is going to grow. I think it's going to die. And they were like, (laughs) like, no way. That's blasphemy. You can't say that. Like, that was, that was, like, and, you know, I was like, like, how can you say that? I'm like, it's not me saying it, which was maybe 
a little too far. <laughs> you know, I, in other words, I had been hearing from God for a long time. You came down from the mountain with the word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I had been hearing from God and learning from God for a long time that um, there was a better way, right? And that this wasn't the way to growth, you know? And, and more importantly, that the only thing God truly invests into are relationships, a foundation of love. Um, and, you know, I kind of decided then and there that I would stir the pot at this lunch. So they said, you know, now you're really talking blasphemy. You just basically claim that God has decreed this church is going to die. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, and, too much time hanging out at like the super charismatic yeah. church. Thus saith the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, you know what, guys? I'll prove it to you. And they're like, uh, sure, go right ahead. And you have to keep in mind, these guys are completely, like, they're close to this point of saying that I've gone off the deep end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get the heck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I said, how many people are in this church? I said it directly to one of the guys. His name is AJ, let's just say. <laughs> That's his actual name. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter. Uh, and he says, uh, and he says 25. And I said, okay, how long have we been doing this? He said, a year and a half. I said, okay. And AJ... When's the last time you called me on the phone? He didn't say anything. He, he hadn't ever called me on the phone, like for a social, like hangout as friends type of thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I said the exact same line of questioning to Trevor over here on my left. I said, Trevor, how long we've we been doing this? How many people are in this church? And when's the last time you picked up the phone and you called me? Never. I said, so let me get this straight. You think the reason why God created all things the heavens and the earth, the birds and the bees, and all of life was so that we could come to church, put some money in the hat, listen to this guy talk to us for 45 minutes, sing some songs, and not actually love one another. Hmm. I said, yes, of course, if we do not go back and learn how to love each other, God will not grow this church and it will die. Hmm. And every single person at that lunch was cut to the heart and, and, and wholeheartedly heard what I said and really responded to it well. Um, and so it was like the coolest thing that had ever happened. I think I called my brother afterwards and was like super stoked and high on energy and like, you know, finally I feel like there's some momentum with this church that people are going to realize that this thing gets built on love. Right, yeah. And that's how multiple. We're so focused on church multiplication. If dude, yeah. in church planting worlds, it's all about that. But it's it's right. never built on the back of love. It's yeah. built on the back of here's this tired capitalistic business model. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, it and, works over there. If I work right over here, right? Yeah, <laughs> work for me to work for you too. You know, guy, you know, smiling with the thumbs up. You know, and it's like, you know, and, and some of that stuff isn't wholly bad. Maybe I don't know. Next. Yeah. Maybe podcast will do on something like that, but I, I think what you're saying is, is like, dude, like if you're gonna build a house without a solid foundation, mm -hmm. I, I've been really on that analogy lately. Yeah. It's an old one, but it's yeah. just, it's really true. Yeah. And if you don't cultivate the soil before that, even, mm -hmm. and what you're saying is like, dude, like we got this piece of land, and, and over the past year and a half, we've not cultivated soil. Yeah, we've not watered it. Mm -hmm. There's weeds growing up everywhere, yep. and then all of a sudden, somebody you know drops a shed on it, <laughs> and you're like. Oh wow, we're gonna take this shed and build this mansion. You're like, dude, there's like weeds and yeah, rocks right. and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the crazy part is, once again, how do you go from everybody like loving loving the the ideas to 
the pastor's kicking me out, and this is how it happened. Five days later, I get a phone call, yeah. and he says, hey, I just ran into AJ at a coffee shop, and um, you know, we got into a conversation, and he's telling me that you're saying the church is going to die. You know, funny thing, I ran into Trevor half an hour later. I don't know what, the library, I don't know where the heck he was. It's yeah. been a long time. <laughs> and he says, and he said the exact same thing. We need to talk. I said, can we meet on Saturday? Sure, let's meet with time, 9 o'clock, blah, 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 we go. Um, so, you know, I, I know what's happening here. You know, he just told me what, what you know, so there's going to be some sort of reprimanding or some some conversation that takes place. I, I prepare for the worst. I think he's very likely going to ask me to never come back. Um, and, you know, obviously I think that both Trevor and AJ didn't tell him that out of malice. I think he they brought this up um, in order to, like, really bring this up. I think they they really heard the message that I said at that lunch, and I think that they wanted to see those changes understood by the pastor. Um, and all he heard wasn't the the correction, meaning love each other. We need to find a deeper way of doing that. All he heard was Alan saying the church is going to die, mm. and it and sure enough, it's dead. You know what I mean? Like it's because it's easy. It's easy to determine. It, it, I don't even know if it was more than just a prediction based on you know some level of understanding what, what makes something successful and what doesn't. It's God. You know, right. God is the one who makes it grow, right? Um, so anyways, uh, at that meeting, he did ask me to never come back. I ended up uh, in a nomad you know, road. I was thinking, should I start my own church? Should I join another church? And neither of those seemed like it was appropriate. Um, I realized the whole not my own church thing when I was in the process of thinking about naming my my own church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this, so you get kicked out yeah. uh, because you know, basically what you just explained. Yeah. And so, you're at this place in this crossroads of like, okay, well, should I start my own thing? And this is so thought through that you have a name for it. And yeah, how, how long? So, little timeline. From that point of time where it's like excommunication mm-hmm. happens yeah. to, well, I'm going to do my own thing mm-hmm. and because you're naturally a starter, you yeah. know, that we're yeah. sitting in the warehouse here right, 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 right. <laughs> of your <laughs> business, you know, that started in a garage and now yeah. we're sitting in this super nice, you know, yeah. business complex, you know. Yeah. So it's like you have some time to think about this. What's that time frame? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. How, did you share that vision with anyone else is a thing? Yeah. And, uh, you know. The only person at that point that I would continue to have um, meaningful, meaningful conversations with on vision and about Jesus was my brother, Brian. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, he was in school in New York at the time, and we would just talk on the phone quite often. Um, and this came up, and he actually, you know, I, I thought I was, I, I left that meeting, me getting kicked out of church, as I needed change. Because um, that's how like manipulated manipulated I, I got right, mm-hmm. and he actually really encouraged me. He's like, no, 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 Alan, we've been talking about this for months. Then you feel these you feel these things, and they're valid feelings, and that um, you're not in the wrong here, right? This is just happens to be, you know, what's happening, you know, and, and trust God. Um, and so once again, I love that. I mean, I, my brother and I don't have that relationship anymore, unfortunately, because he. Uh, I don't know. He consider he kind of evolved from believing in, in God. Mm-hmm. You know, it ha- it ha- people happens. You know, it's just statistically or whatever. But um, for I could never do that just because of the experiences I've had right, and right. Um, that I continue to have as um, God 
carves out a path for my life, right? Yeah. Um, and so how does that play into like this whole nomad life? I want to wrap up yeah, here just yeah. with that of kind of like what's what's been happening over these past years. And, you know, I want to do yeah. a second talk with us talking about, you know, kind of where you're at now with things sure. and where you see the current state of church and where we're going. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll save that part. But yeah. just kind of this this season of time, yeah. you've still had a vibrant relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yeah. yeah, And you've still been completely aware mm-hmm. of the divine at work in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, maintaining this relationship with God yeah. minus a organizational affiliation, mm-hmm. what does that look like for yeah. you? Yeah. Well, right after that point in time, I was uh, just running all over the place. You know, I still, I met some believers that I ended up fellowshipping with, and I did build some really great relationships, and they were some really, like, go-getter. One was 15, you know, I was 23, you know, and he was just on fire. I still know him to this day. He actually does videography, and I use him for the business, but cool. he's, and he's just, like, <laughs> such a great brother like, like that. Um, and then in a, in a whole bunch of other people from a, a big church, and we got we got really into relating to one another and into these things. And I was like the oldest out of this kind of like college, high school age group it was kind of interesting. So I was kind of doing some leading like that. And um, and then also I had a home church gathering at the same time, uh, and that was where I met the couple who was making fruit wine as a hobby, which is now my business. Um, <laughs> crazy how that happened because if I had never gotten kicked out of church, I would never have tried to start a home church. Right. And that was how I met them and was introduced to the category that will hopefully end up changing the rest of my life continually as well as hopefully impacting a lot of other people. Um, and so... Yeah, it was crazy, um, but I never could bring myself to truly like enjoying a service again, um, hmm. and I could never, because I, I started reading a few books too that uh, I gave you as a matter of fact, um, right. I don't know if you've read them yet, but it's just a matter of, a lot of these practices aren't something that um, was ever intended by um, the apostles or by Jesus, it was something that uh, was picked up from pagan rituals and all sorts of other things, and we start realizing that all this stuff isn't even required for loving God and loving people. And that the best way to do that is to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's basically what you're saying. Your, uh, you know, substance of, you know, life-fulfilling relationship with God has simply been mm-hmm. what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. And if everything yeah. else fails, do this. Yeah. So just engaging in loving God. I know that you really study the Bible a lot. You're engaged in that. You read a lot of the books. And then... The loving people there's a whole we could probably knock out another hour conversation on talking about that but what i really think the conclusion of this all is is through this experience of coming to know god through experience growing in that you're with people mm-hmm. you do this church plant you get frankly burned mm-hmm. i think by by a lot of the repercussions of western world mm-hmm. idealism and church and stuff mm-hmm. banished basically from that and you still maintain this really engaging, vibrant thing mm-hmm. be, based on the most simple way of living and being and mm-hmm. thinking and acting and yeah. all the fun stuff that surrounds that. So. It, does, it doesn't hurt that God is actually real and that he participates in our lives. And yeah. that if you're following and paying attention, you see him and you thank him. I mean, beyond that, um, forgetting that happens. It happens all the time, and it's good to fellowship with people. I actually really haven't had a great seven years as it relates to a vibrant 
faith. I think I could be much stronger. I think I can be even more loving. But because I haven't had true community, because I've been in this nomad land, um, I haven't been able to exercise all those muscles, and I haven't been able to um, be reminded as often as I would like to be to be conscious of God. Um, and I try to remind myself as often as I can, but it's not nearly the same as a truly encouraging word from a friend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Alan, dude, I'm I'm glad that I'm your friend. I'm glad <laughs> we met and uh, super stoked. And I want to talk more about so what that looks like, what community looks like, what a faith community looks like. Where do we see the current state yeah. you know, of church? Where do we see it going? So maybe uh, we can hit record and talk about that some more as well as some, yeah. some stuff. So that sounds great. get in touch with Alan, hang out with the fruit, California Fruit Wine Company. Yeah. What's the new name? The uh, new it's going to be called Fruit Craft uh, Winery and Distillery. We're actually starting to, to distill. I know it's super up and coming, but uh, you know, we, we're entrepreneurs for, you know, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, so it's cool. Get in touch, drink some good wine, have a good time, yep. and uh, tune in on the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, take it easy.